0: Welcome to Disputes Digest for the week of February 27th, 2023. I'm Chris Campbell. A couple of notes before we get into the news for today. First, just like last year, Tales of the Tribunal is looking for folks to join our team. We had a fine group join us last year, helping us with research, community development, and other tasks. So we'd like to do that again. This time, we're looking for just two people. One would probably be more in a social media focused role, and one would be in content production. Bonus points if this someone doesn't mind being on this side of the mic. We've got a bunch of great content for you this week, so let's jump into it. And so for our first story of the day, we start with a question. Are you ready to explore the final frontier of arbitration? That's right, we're talking about space arbitration. It might sound like something out of a sci-fi movie, but space arbitration is a real thing and it's gaining more attention. So let's take a look at a few recent developments. As recently as 2021, the International Institute for Conflict Prevention and Resolution, CPR, released a set of rules for arbitration of disputes relating to space activities called the CPR Space Rules. And the rules are designated to address the unique challenges and issues that arise in space disputes. They cover a wide range of topics such as jurisdiction, discovery, interim measures, and the appointment of arbitrators. The rules also take into account the need for speed and flexibility in resolving disputes. Given the fast pace of technological advancement in the space industry, another exciting development is the formation of the International Association for the Advancement of Space Safety, IAASS, Space Arbitration and Space Mediation Committee. The committee is composed of experts in space law, policy, and technology who aim to promote the use of arbitration and mediation in resolving space-related disputes. The SAM, as it's called, is a committee and has already published a report on the use of alternative dispute resolution in the space industry. But space arbitration is not without its challenges. One of the biggest challenges is the lack of precedent and guidance on how to apply existing laws and regulations to space disputes. Additionally, the high cost of space activities and the potential for catastrophic events make it difficult to quantify damages and losses. Despite these challenges, space arbitration is an exciting and growing field and could play an important role in the future of space exploration and development. So strap on your space helmet and get ready to boldly go where no arbitration professional has gone before. Then for our second story, we head to the U.S. District Court, which has vacated key provisions of the No Surprises Act, the NSA, not that one, particularly the end dispute resolution IDR process for resolving out of network payment disputes between payers and providers. It's the third time a federal court has ruled in favor of providers who are challenging the implementation of the arbitration process. The court found that the updated IDR regulations favored payers over providers in payment disputes, hence continuing the inconsistency with the NSA. The Department of Labor, Health and Human Services and the Treasury must now revise the invalidated provisions or appeal their decision. Revisions to the IDR process could enable providers to share information more easily to support the arbitrational proceedings and address provider concerns regarding declining in-network rates. The IDR process was created to protect commercially insured patients from receiving surprise medical bills and resolve disputes over out-of-network payment rates. Under the NSA, parties may each submit an offer for what they believe is an appropriate payment and what that payment should be, and the arbitrators, IDREs, considering the disputes, must select one of the following offers. However, the interim final rules issued by the departments on October 2021 directing IDRE to presume the qualifying payment amount QPA was the appropriate amount favored payers and placed the QPA as the benchmark for OON payment rates. That's a lot of alphabet soup. But it ultimately prevented IDREs from selecting offers submitted by providers for a higher payment amount. The court's decision in the Texas Medical Association et al. versus the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services from February issued a ruling addressing the concerns of the IDR process raised by air ambulance providers having led to the updated rules that continue to favor payers over providers providers having filed lawsuit against the final rule arguing that updated policies could favor qpa and payers over providers the court ruled that the nsa was unambiguous in requiring idres to consider additional information submitted by the parties related to five factors and other relevant information submitted by the party This invalidated provisions requiring IDREs to consider additional information only if it is credible and related and not already accounted for by the QPA, which were therefore unlawful. There you have it. We'll have to wait to see what happens next in this well dense saga. Next, let's head to the African continent and talk about Nigeria's latest move in the world of international commercial arbitration. That's right, Nigeria has established a new Center for International Commercial Arbitration. And it's happening none other than the bustling city of Lagos. The Nigerian government has announced that the establishment of the Lagos International Commercial Arbitration Center, LIA, the LICAC, is set to serve as a hub for international commercial arbitration in Africa's largest economy. This is a significant move for Nigeria as it aims to become a destination for commercial dispute resolution in the region. The LICAC will provide parties with the necessary facilities to conduct arbitrations, including hearing rooms, conference rooms, and other support services. Additionally, it will provide access to a pool of arbitrators with a range of expertise in various fields who can be appointed to arbitrate disputes. This development is a game changer for Nigeria, as it is the potential to increase foreign investment in the country. It shows that Nigeria is serious about promoting international trade and investment by providing an efficient, transparent, and reliable method for resolving commercial disputes. This, in turn, will promote economic growth and development in the country. The establishment of the LICAC comes at a time when Nigeria is looking to attract more foreign investment into the country. By providing a center for international commercial arbitration, Nigeria is setting itself apart from the countries in the region and positioning itself as a preferred destination for investors. At least that's what the founders hope is the case. So let's watch out, world, because Nigeria is ready to take its place as a leader in the world of international commercial arbitration. And let's see how this affects the industry in the area. Then, let's talk about the International Center for Settlement of Investment Disputes, or ICSID, which has announced that Argentina and Occidental, in a landmark investment arbitration case, have come to a settlement in a long-standing case. In case you didn't know, Occidental is a U.S.-based oil company that had filed claim against Argentina but way back in 2012 alleging that the country had violated a bilateral investment treaty by exporting its assets in 2006. The company was seeking a whopping 3.5 billion US dollars in compensation for its losses. But after nearly a decade of legal battles, the terms of this settlement have not yet been disclosed, but both Argentina and Occidental have issued statements expressing their satisfaction with the outcome. This is a significant development for Argentina which has been grappling with a wave of investor state claims for years. The country has been hit hard by economic turmoil and political instability, which has led to many foreign companies to take legal action against it. But with this settlement, Argentina has shown that it is willing to work with investors and to resolve their disputes. It also is worth noting that this settlement comes at a time when there is growing scrutiny for the role of investment treaty arbitration in resolving commercial disputes and international arbitration. Critics have argued that these tribunals often favor corporations over countries and that they can undermine the ability of governments to regulate the public interest. But regardless of where you stand on this issue, it's clear that the settlement between Argentina and Occidental is a positive step for both parties. It shows that even in the face of significant legal challenge, it's possible to find common ground and reach a mutually beneficial agreement. And that's the message we can all get behind. Then, we have a story from friend of the show, Alina Liavianu, as she writes with the help of co-authors Hector Clemente and John Colon on the Cluer Arbitration blog. The Comstroy Saga, it ain't over till it's over. And today, we're going to dive into the background behind the ongoing Comstroy Saga. It is a complex and winding story, so buckle up and let's get started. At the heart of the Comstroy saga is the dispute between the government of Moldova and a Russian energy company called Comstroy. The dispute centers on a series of contracts signed in the 1990s for the supply of gas to Moldova, which Comstroy claims were breached by the Moldovan government. Over the years, the dispute has been litigated in multiple forms, including the Moldovan courts and the International Chamber of Commerce. But most recently, In this saga takes place in a little known arbitration tribunal called the energy charter treaty you may have heard of it in 2020 a tribunal applying the ect ruled in favor of comstroy awarding the company a staggering 5 billion u.s dollars in damages the decision was a shock to many as it represented one of the largest arbitration awards ever issued but as we know Things are rarely as simple as they seem in the world of arbitration. The Moldovan government has since challenged the award in multiple jurisdictions, arguing that the ECT-based tribunal lacked jurisdiction and that the award was issued in violation of Moldovan law. And now in 2023, the saga continues. A court in the Netherlands has ruled that the ECT tribunal did have jurisdiction to hear the dispute, but the ruling is unlikely to be the final word. The Moldovan government has vowed to continue to fight against the award, and it's anyone's guess as to how this will play out in the end. So what can we learn from the Comstroy saga? For one, it's a reminder that arbitration can be messy and an unpredictable business. Even when a decision seems final, there's always the possibility of further challenges and appeals. And secondly, it highlights the importance of careful drafting and negotiation of an arbitration clauses in commercial contracts. In the world of arbitration, the devil truly is in the details. Then finally, we have some late breaking news right as this week's episode was going to print. And there was no way we could upload without talking about it. The government of the United Kingdom says it's going to Singapore. That is to say, they are expressing their intention to join the Singapore Convention. You might know it by its official name, the United Nations Convention on International Settlement Agreements Resulting from Mediation, a.k.a. the Singapore Convention on Mediation. The UK government was looking for feedback on whether it should sign up to this international treaty, which aims to make it easier to enforce settlement agreements reached through mediation in cross-border disputes. And guess what? The overwhelming response was yes. According to the government's response, 91% of respondents were in favor of the UK signing up to the convention. That's a pretty big majority, right? The main reasons given were that it could provide greater certainty and enforceability for cross-border mediation settlements, as well as improving the UK's reputation as a hub for international dispute resolution. Of course, there were some concerns raised too. Some respondents were worried about the potential costs and complexities of implementing the convention, particularly for smaller businesses. Others were concerned about the potential impact on domestic mediation services, but on the whole, the government seems pretty convinced that signing up for the convention is the way forward. They've noted that it would bring the U.K. in line with major jurisdictions like the U.S., China and Singapore and would help promote the use of mediation as an alternative to more costly and time consuming dispute resolution methods. So there you have it, folks. The U.K. government is ready to get on board with the Singapore Convention on Mediation. It's not a done deal just yet, but it looks like it's heading in that direction. And who knows? Maybe one day we'll be able to settle our disputes amicably and efficiently, just like they do in mediation. And one more thing before we get out of here for this week. In just over a month, Columbia University is hosting its annual Columbia Arbitration Day, with this year's theme being Arbitration Beyond the Box, New Innovations and Perspectives. It's a huge event with several primary sponsors and nearly two dozen supporting organizations, including this show. So if you're in the greater New York area or you think you might be, grab your ticket now as space will be limited and time is bound to be short. That's right. It's April 14th, 2023, Columbia Arbitration Day. That's it for Disputes Digest this week. If you're not already, follow us on LinkedIn, subscribe to the show. And if you're feeling really generous, leave us a review. Until next time, this has been Disputes Digest by Tales of the Tribunal. Thank you for tuning in. And we'll see you next week. None of the views shared today or in any episode of Disputes Digest is presented as legal advice nor advice of any kind. No compensation was provided to any organization or party for their inclusion on the show, nor do any of the statements made represent any particular organization, legal position or viewpoint. All interviewees or organizations included appear on an arm's length basis and their appearance should not be construed as any bias or preferred affiliation with the host or host's employer.